Iowa everywhere. All right, boys, it's game day. Let's go. Let's go. Big game. Got a big game today. My package has arrived. Oh, sweet. Nice. Goal! Great win, fellas. What game's next? G-Men are having a great year. Let's go blue! Here we go. Primetime football. Texans, Dolphins. Let's do this. Yes! Review. Yes! Yes! Heartland flags. Every sport. Every team. Every flag. Every team? That's right. Fine, fine. I'll get a Washington flag, too. Find your flag and so much more with fast, free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. Every sport, every team, every flag. Almost. Loyal sons forever true. Go Cyclones. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brent talk all things Big 12. This is Firmly Entrenched. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. How's it going? Welcome to Firmly Entrenched. It's Wednesday, October 18th, fresh off of an Iowa State win over Cincinnati. I'm Jake Brend with Local 5 Sports out of Des Moines. Joined, as always, by my good friend Nick Oston up in Madison. Nick, how's it going? Jake, I'm doing really well. You know, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to add how the other Iowa team did in there because that was obviously a game uh, that I was covering in person. But I'm cool moving past. Uh, but, no, great game from Iowa State. Uh, doing really well. You know, a, a busy week this week, but I've been looking forward to the show. It's going to be a little bit different. You know, obviously not an Iowa State game to preview a little bit, but we've got some fun things coming up. Yeah, of course, we're going to look back at this last week in Iowa State's win over Cincinnati. We're going to look a little big picture for this Cyclones program, what they've shown these last few weeks, looking ahead into the future of the Big 12. We're going to bounce around the Big 12 some surprising games this last week some big performances yeah. and of course bet the big 12 we're going to close with some little kansas city vegas controversy that took over the social media world yesterday and i got before we start i got one thing to plug i know nick you built a good uh relationship with connor moberly over the last couple of years cycling quarterback commit leading southeast polk to an eight no record i've got a feature airing on him tonight on local five at 10. So now, Jake, is 10. that something, is that something that's going to be able to be seen like on, on Twitter or online? Cause I, I actually want to check that out. Yes. Yeah. After, after it airs though, there'll be a web link that I'll, I'll share on social media, but cyclone fans want to get to know a future cyclone tune into that, but without further ado, let's get into Iowa state's um, win over Cincinnati. I'm flying that, that flag high behind me from Heartland flags. Yeah, you know, Heartland Flags and Gifts, obviously one of our major uh, key sponsors here. You know, we always just want to give recognition and thanks. Heartland Flags and Gifts, free shipping anywhere in the U.S., just about any team you can think of that you'd want to see. New products constantly, every team, every sport, almost every flag. Obviously deep in baseball season now, you know, close to the World Series, hockey and basketball getting underway. The heat of football season, shop for your favorite team's flag. Heartland Flags and Gifts. I got a fresh Wisconsin flag uh, from our great team and sponsor over at Heartland Flags and Gifts. It's been, you know, it's it's so big and, and kind of bright. It'd be covering the whole screen. So just got a little sneak peek there. But absolutely, Jake, a really impressive Cyclones game to kind of get into after last week. Yeah, obviously that, that black and white Iowa State flag is looking great in my background. But when talking about Iowa State, there's a lot of different takeaways to have from this game. And I've rewatched this game last night. And I, I think my first and biggest takeaway 
was the amount of big plays that Rocco Becht made in that first half. There was the third down on that on that first drive. It didn't even end up resulting in points, but Rocco on a on a quarterback power. There was the the fourth or the the third and thirteen throw to Higgins to set up fourth and one that ultimately got the hard count that got Cincinnati to jump. This just felt like a game where even though Beck didn't have the gaudiest of stats, it felt like his team, he felt like he was in control, made no turnovers, and I think that his poise and confidence was oozing over the screen, and that's a that's a huge reason why Iowa State win and why uh, Iowa State won, excuse me, and that's a huge reason why I think Iowa State is playing their best football they have in, in almost two years. Yeah, Jake, you know, it's it's really hard uh, to disagree with any of that. You know, obviously I can't see quite everything like in real time, but I'm following, I'm checking scores. Social media has been helpful with this too. And what I wanted to say about quarterback Rocco Beck, you know, there were growing pains at times, maybe a, a slow start or pick six or something like that. But I think he's not only playing good football, but what has really kind of stood out to me and what I can even feel from, you know, three, 400 miles away is that he just has the total and complete trust and confidence. I mean, I think that's been shown from Nate Shieldhouse and Matt Campbell for several weeks now. But you know what I mean? If you watch enough football, you can see the buy-in from teammates and like know who is a leader, whether it's guys on offense, on defense. And I just think that this has really become kind of like you alluded to, Jake, Rocco Beck's football team, even though there are, of course – you know, maybe other better players or other senior leaders. I think of TJ Tampa, Gary Vaughn, Easton Dean's a major leader, Remsburg back, guys like that. But I, I just feel like there's so much trust and confidence. And I think it gives him the ability, even if he maybe doesn't have a perfect game, or you mentioned like maybe not the craziest or gaudiest stats in one game, he's got the confidence in himself to either bounce back from a moment like that or just know what he is capable of. I think you made a great point. Uh, with that play to Jaden Higgins. He was awesome. He's really kind of been putting together a little bit in addition to, of course, Jalen Noel, uh, just the receiving core that we've been talking about. But Rocco Beck, I think he is firmly entrenched as, you know, that that guy right now. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see, as I know we'll talk about more later, you know, these guys as they get even more experience as well. Yeah, when talking about Rocco, I – it just feels like a guy who's going to be a cyclone for four years. And it feels like a guy that the fan base is definitely already rallying around. And I don't know if you saw the video from, from cyclone football on Twitter after of, of the players going up and high-fiving the fans, but whatever Rocco's reaction was, it just felt like that of one of those cyclone fan favorite four year type legends and I don't want to put that pressure on him to be one of those guys but there's something about the confidence that is just it, it comes across the tv and I think a lot of that has come from the staff playing to win they the the fake field goal of course the just the kill shot drive that ended mm -hmm. in a Steve O'Klotz touchdown we're pretty much a month removed from that Ohio loss where they ran into a brick wall for 60 minutes and couldn't move the ball at all. That is a different team that's playing now. It, it, it's unbelievable. If you put it side by side, eh, you could tell me they changed uniforms or whatever. Right? They're that different. And I love this quote from Matt Campbell after the game where he said, you had some of the su successes we've had, and you're worried about screwing it up and not giving your kids a chance to win. And we didn't get here doing that. We got here by being a little bit fearless. That doesn't mean we have to be crazy. It just means we have to do a great job when the opportunity, when the opportunity presents itself to be courageous enough to try to put our kids in the best position to be successful. And Nick, I know that you weren't here for the early Campbell era, but I think that's what was so frustrating to me. A lot of media that's covered this team, the fan base, 
of how they played from really the start of last year up until that Ohio game was they didn't in 2017, they didn't turn around the program by being always just cautious, just running the ball up the gut zone reads. They got there by, I mean, going on the road to OU being fearless, obviously, of course, using a good defense, but I think I've seen a little bit of that swagger come back and a little bit of just the, screw it, nothing to lose mentality from that coaching staff. Have you seen that come across? I have. I, I actually think that it, yeah, it kind of started, you know, really right after that Ohio game. That's something that I have felt from afar. And, you know, I think there were moments we saw it last year. I personally think of the Texas game, right, where Iowa yeah. State, I think many would argue was the better team. And I, and I think – you know, that was a pretty strong game from Hunter Decker. Jalen Knoll was amazing that game, like had a couple big time plays. So I, I think there have been, uh, you know, pockets or areas, but I completely agree, Jake. And I think it's a really cool uh, kind of thing to understand because obviously I was very, you know, entrenched into the coverage and more when I was there. But, you know, you can't turn back time. I wasn't there the first uh, three or four seasons really of that. So I think it's a really cool thing to hear. I think that it's something that's accurate and that is kind of indeed helping this team right now. And, you know, I know I'm maybe looking ahead a little bit, so I'll just say it briefly, but I mean, I just have to say, because I was kind of pitching this throughout the summer and into fall camp, man, this team is so young. And I think that is a scary good thing. Because if you bring back the key pieces, you're expected to. And of course, like the majority of the coaching staff and kind of what that looks like with the continuity, I think that that would be, you know, really special. And we'll get into that further. But a point I definitely wanted to make, and, you know, it wasn't a hot take uh, from us by any means, Jake, but one area, and we generally agree, but one area we were super consistent as we started this show is the secondary. And I think now, you know, collectively, they're really hitting that stride, whether it's Malik Verdon coming back at times and doing what he can do, obviously, TJ Tampa. But I think Jeremiah Cooper is getting to be a national type name. And I think it's just really impressive what Coach Dion Broomfield and first year corners coach at ISU, Hank Poteet, have done with that secondary. I still would take it among the top 10 or 15 in the country. Yeah, and it, it goes back to what I know I said after the Oklahoma game was just a lack of getting those 50-50 balls from, from the defensive backs. And it's not that they weren't capable of getting those 50-50 balls, but it almost looked like they weren't really trying. And not from an effort standpoint, but just a, you know, what, we're, we're here to play defense. These last two games against TCU and Cincinnati, they're being aggressive in, in attacking those under routes. The, I mean, I know uh, Tampa had the one pick, but he almost had a second pick in that third quarter in the rain. Emory Jones threw it, went right through his hands. Um, that, that was a great play on the ball. And, of course, Cooper's been doing that all season long. Mm -hmm. And that has been a huge part in turning the defense around since that OU game. And, and I know Cincinnati's nothing too special offensively, but you look what TCU did this past week to BYU. That's a, that's a good TCU team with a lot of talent. Of course, they dealt with some injuries during that game. But I think the, the defense has turned the corner the last couple of games, and Haycock has done what he's proven to do over his tenure, is that he really adapts to the defense's strengths and – seems like he's figured something out to where, especially with Zach Lovett, using him as a spy that has helped generate a lot more pressure on the quarterback. And Emory Jones was was really, really neutralized in that second half after he, yeah. after he started the first quarter really getting whatever he wanted on the ground. No, Jake, that's a fantastic point. I mean, I, I do love talking football in general. I especially like when you make points like that. And, man, you know, maybe the guys – over at Iowa State are tuned in to Firmly Entrenched right now. Just tweeted, uh, courtesy of our guy, uh, producer Aiden Wyatt, from the official account, 25 underclassmen, 
have played in every game uh, for Iowa State this season. That is wow. incredible. It's notable. It's a high number. But, of course, any team can go out and do that, right? What is so impressive is these guys are not only, you know, getting through their growing pains and improving, but, I mean, I think we just talked about five or six underclassmen naturally that have been some of the best playmakers and we didn't even really touch on like some of the running back room or offensive line areas like that so I think that was really well timed I think it's a perfect thing and correct me if I'm wrong Jake because I wasn't here during this time but to me that is what makes this team and more so the immediate future of this team a little bit scarier in a positive light if you're a Cyclones fan yeah, if I, if I do imagine there were a lot of Iowa State fans on Saturday night pouring themselves a nice glass of Steeple Ridge from Lonely Oak Distillery, hopefully enjoying it responsibly, because that win felt reminiscent of, of a couple different moments in that 2017-2018 range. I, I know 2017, of course, you have the huge win over Oklahoma. You have the huge win over TCU. But when I think back to that year, I remember that road win at Texas Tech. I want to say Iowa State might have been underdog at whatever it was. It it was a three-point swing either way. And that was a that was a huge trap game that they just went in and suffocated the Red Raiders in the second half and showed that they were clearly the better team and frankly that it wasn't close. That is what Saturday felt like, where this young team really grasped that they were better. And I think that that's just going to continue to improve, especially these next three games before you get into the the tough stretch of Texas and and Kansas State. But I I think the future for this program is bright. And that that starts with, I think, this season getting to a bowl game. I, I it's not blasphemous to say at all that it's 100% back in the picture. Um, and I, I'd go as far as to say it's probable at this point that they, they will get to that six win mark. Yeah. And you know, Jake, it's, it's funny. We, uh, a lot of this kind of these conversations come naturally on here. That is one thing we were texting about last week. And I, I believe, I think you had said six or seven wins back when we started this thing. In August. Yeah. And I I said at least seven. I remember I said it on, you know, some shows too. And plenty of Iowa fans were coming at me and I continue to feel good about that. There wasn't really a spot I I, I ever wavered. I think probable, like you kind of mentioned in the notes is, is a totally fair word as we're going to get a little bit further into some of the big 12 hits, you know, maybe, maybe there are some areas you can, go against Texas, maybe K-State is moving positively again. But you're right, this upcoming stretch, and I know you're locked in there, locked in down there. I believe it's at Baylor, home Kansas, at BYU? Correct. Okay, that is the correct order. I, I knew the opponents, and I mean, there's no question, uh, those are all winnable games. They should be favored, I would think, at Baylor, probably a slight home dog against Kansas, and We'll see about BYU, but absolutely. I still think this team gets to a bowl game. And to me, you know, I, I want to look at a couple kind of smaller notes. I think that just the return uh, kind of physically and emotionally of Jake Ramsberg for this team, I'm sure you saw on social media, you know, him and, and some family members. I think that was really a big time thing. And I want to give credit to somebody that, We've mentioned, I, I know I mentioned it a ton when I was when I was on the job, and somebody that was new to me even in the spring, Caleb Bacon. Oh, yeah. Like just the fact that he, we've been talking about him, but the fact that he's not only come in, not only been successful, but he's now on a midseason, I believe, watch list yeah. for the Lombardi Award. That's really impressive. And he's somebody I, I didn't get to know quite as well during my time. Like, we started talking to him. A little bit later, but you can just tell how seriously and uh, how prideful he is about Iowa State football. I just think that's, you know, a really cool thing. And it would seem from afar um, that, you know, Coach Matt Campbell and the staff and the players, their connection, he talks so much about culture 
and kind of the state of the locker room and where it has and hasn't been before these last couple of years, I think it seems to be in a really great place. And now it's just about fans can get ahead, right? But for this team, still taking one day at a time, because while some of these newcomers in the conference may not be great so far, uh, there's still some really high quality teams in that top four or five in the conference. Yeah, probably top two. I, I'm not going to call anybody outside of Texas and Oklahoma high quality teams at this point. Uh, I, I think everybody else is quality at best. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm pleasantly surprised with where this Iowa State season has gone from, from where it was. But I still do think that outside of those top two teams in the Big 12, that it's generally a bad conference. And yeah. I, that's that's nothing really against anybody. I think that – so we'll, we'll talk a little big picture Big 12 stuff. So without Texas and Oklahoma, I would say that the three best programs in the conference are TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State. I, I think I would put – Iowa State and K-State, or probably K-State, then Iowa State, a notch behind those three schools. When those top three schools are having down years, I, I know that Oklahoma State has, has turned things around a little bit, but all things considered still a down year, uh, I think that's just making for a very, very weak conference. And that's why a young team like Iowa State is going to be able to put themselves in a driver's seat to make a bowl game and probably finish top five in the conference because if they do it, they shouldn't and beat up on those new teams that are struggling to make the adjustment and then take care of those teams. They already did TCU, Oklahoma state, and, and maybe next week, Baylor take care of those teams in down years. Uh, it sets up for a good year, but looking forward to the future of the big 12, I just said it, Iowa state, I would say is in that top five to, to six programs in this new conference which is better than iowa state has ever been in the history of the school and part of that is sheerly from the players that they have coming back the young talent returning a lot of that has to do with the culture that matt campbell's brought to Ames, and a lot of that just has to do with you're on more of an equal playing field you're not competing with Texas and Oklahoma for recruits you're you're competing with you're punching at your own weight class and I think that we're in for a really good decade of Iowa State football and I don't know if that's ever been said before in the in the history of this place yeah the kind of from the the macro level I think that yeah the macro level I, I definitely agree uh, with you, you know, I was just looking a little bit more short term kind of for the rest of this year. But you're right. Big picture. Man, I would even put Iowa State comfortably in Oklahoma State's, uh, you know, kind of trajectory as a program, at least. I, I think that Utah is going to come in and probably right. be pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't disagree at all kind of with with Iowa State. I mean, I think I think next year and I was saying this to you know, fans that I became friends with down there and, you know, even on the boards, like Bulls, Bull team this year, and I still believe that. But, Jake, I think next year could actually be a special, special year for the Cyclones. I understand there will be, you know, some different opponents here and there, but you mentioned taking out Texas and OU. We won't – we'll hopefully kind of keep this thing rolling. So I won't get too far, but I do think that could be like a – 2020 it was type year for the Cyclones when you look back at things. I mean, I just think when you return 15, 16, 17 starters potentially, like it, it gets to be kind of that type of potential. You mentioned Oklahoma State turning things around a little bit. And Kansas State is one of the teams that kind of caught my eye this last weekend as well. Yeah, let's get into our quick Big 12 hits before we pick this week's Big 12 games, as always, we're in the Channel Seeds studios. I want to start with Oklahoma State because that was a team that was dead for the water when they left Ames, coming off of a nearly 30-point loss to South Alabama. And then 
a seven point loss to Iowa State that was the score was a lot closer than than the game was. And I know that there were rumors on social media of a bunch of guys entering the transfer portal when it opened. And this seemed like something where there was a, a sinking ship that Mike Gundy was not going to be able to get off of. But they've turned it around. Back-to-back wins against the state of Kansas. Admittedly, I didn't get to watch the game. I caught some some YouTube highlights. But what a win for Mike Gundy and and that program to – get themselves back in a position to maybe, maybe make a bowl game. Are they sitting at four and three now as well? I believe. I believe yes. Yeah. You know, really, uh, really impressive couple of weeks. You know, I, I didn't see as many of those rumors, but I do know they were definitely, you know, circulating a little bit. And it seemed like, you know, Gundy, he's somebody that's not afraid. However you, you know, feel or think about him to kind of show some of that personality, but it seemed like he and the team were having a little fun after that win Saturday. Yeah. That video in the locker room was, was incredible. I, I don't know what those dance moves were. I don't know if those were, <laughs> those were big back in Gundy's college days, but, but that was really fun to see. And, and I, I'm definitely the belief that the big 12 in football is a lot better when Oklahoma state's good. And that's yep. a, I wouldn't say that Iowa State Oklahoma State's a rivalry because it's really not. You, there's no Iowa State and Oklahoma State fans that work together, or you have no houses that are like, oh, I'm a half Oklahoma State, half Iowa State fan. But of any team in the Big 12, I think that they play the best and most competitive games. So that's something to keep an eye out for in the future when, when Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Um, are probably going to be on pretty equal playing fields every year. K-State, so I uh, I sold all my Manhattan stock after they lost to Oklahoma State. I sold all my, all my Will Howard stock. And then they bring in this Avery Johnson kid. Oh, my gosh. I, I remember hearing about him in the offseason. Never, never had watched him play. Watching that game against Texas Tech, I was blown away that that kid could be a future All-American. He is unbelievable and uh, might be too good to stay at K-State. Sorry. Sorry, Wildcat fans. So it's funny. We both kind of uh, put in our notes about his long-term potential, you know, in being an All-American. Now, Avery Johnson, not somebody I got to know personally throughout his uh, recruiting process, but obviously – you know, K-State, like same conference as Iowa State, was all in kind of the recruiting uh, aspect of things. So Avery Johnson, he's somebody that when you kind of like watch him from afar, you can see he, he really connects with people well. Jake, one could argue he put up at least nearly as good of numbers in basketball as he did in football. Uh, at, I think he went to Mays High School uh, yes. in Kansas. You know, same, uh, from- same high school as Caleb Grill. Yeah, schools from all over the country, you know, wanted this kid. I I think there was some Notre Dame connections, some big time schools out west. Like he was a four star kid with high four star potential. And I did get to see the highlights. I didn't get to see a lot live. But when you look back or you see some of those highlights, that's not really normal for anybody, especially a true freshman getting in kind of action sparingly. And now it's going to be interesting because this is one topic I I really did do a little bit of uh, kind of more in-depth research on, just catching up on press conferences and quotes, how this quarterback room shakes out the rest of the way. I wouldn't go to Howard at all. So you, okay. So you would not, I think, I I don't remember like exactly what year Howard is. I, I know his struggles this year. I know he'd been the guy the last year, year and a half after Martinez, but I think I'm with you. I mean, if if Avery Johnson's able to keep those things up like consistently throughout an entire game, it's not like Howard didn't have his chances. I know he's had a lot of turnovers this season, including a three-pick game. Maybe you just kind of ride the kid with the higher ceiling and see what happens. Unless it's just a flash in the pan and – this Johnson kid needs a lot more time. Just had a 
a great first game without anybody having any film on him, and he comes out and looks awful the next three games, I would just stick with him. And maybe maybe as a bad half, you go back to Will Howard. Howard figures it out a little bit, and then you use Johnson in a bit of a wildcat, maybe red zone-type package. Either way. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, my bad. Either way, that that kid's got to be on the field. And I'm saying that as somebody who, I mean, Iowa State fan, life is better when K-State's bad. So that that game in Manhattan the day after Black Friday got a lot more tougher when uh, (laughs) after I watched Avery Johnson live just torch Texas Tech. That kid is unbelievable. And Let's go to one more Big 12 game before we we bet it. And this will transition smoothly into betting the Big 12. Yeah. What a what a horrific what a what a roller coaster of a game was the West Virginia Houston game. Whether you bet it or not, My I My only I, loss of the week. I I bet it. Oh man. Oh, I was not a happy camper after that one. West Virginia Plays horrible, horrible the entire game. Terrible. They did not deserve to win. Score with 15 seconds left on like a 60-yard fourth down. Take the lead. They're covering. It's over. Hail Mary, Houston. And now Neil Brown goes from having a hot seat to, man, he's he's wrote the ship. They're, They're trusting the climb over there. In Morgantown, too. I think that loss is worthy of putting, maybe not, maybe not giving him a hot seat, but that seat's definitely a little bit warm. It's like the when you got a a seat warmer in a car, you got (laughs) out of three levels, you're on the first level because that's a horrific loss to a bad team against a coach that your entire fan base would have wanted would have wanted to beat. Yeah, I think you put that really well. You know, you're you're in this, you're in the leather car. You're getting the seat going. It's approaching kind of that first of three levels because that is a bad loss, and you can't even really call it fluky. The play was fluky, but I, I watched it several times. It's one of the few I got to see live. Like that's one you just bat the ball down. Yeah, that's and I know for a fact that a couple. A couple guys, it would have appeared, tried to catch it. And that's something I'd say at the latest you learn at 15 or 16, you know, when you're playing organized football. I don't really know what it is. There's something about this West Virginia team that I've kind of been like not wanting them to be complete failure and collapse. You know what I mean? Like it was cool for the show and and in real life when they started off, I think it was like, two and one or three and oh, and then got up to four and one. I mean, they're still four and two. It's a good record. They're favorites this week, as I know we're going to touch on again, but Jake, you must have actually bet it. I made the pick oh, uh, for our for our show. And, you know, as we kind of make the transition here, Nick is hot again a little bit on these picks, but for you to have played that man, were you watching it live? I assume. Oh yes. I, yeah. it was a roller coaster of emotions. I, I want to say I had the NFL and baseball game on. I was I was triple screening it. It was it was a fun Thursday night. Where you got oh, that set up? That work? No, no, I've got my TV and then I've got two laptops that I okay set on like both arms of the recliner, and you <laughs> you pick your favorite game and that's the one that got that's got the max volume, and then the second game has like. You can hear the crowd noise. You can't really hear the announcers. And then the third game is muted. And that West Virginia-Houston game was muted because I was so mad at Neil Brown (laughs) in that fourth quarter because they were playing so poorly. But before we move into betting the Big 12, I was reading a column from Bob Herzl of bluegoldnews.com over there in West Virginia. And it it was a column about, I guess, where does... Brown and the program go from here. And this was a quote that I loved from Brown. He said, we're in the teaching business, right? I would assume that Coach Gundy and the group dealt with this after they lost to South Alabama. and They came out on the other side pretty good. Now it's up to our guys. 
this is going to be a make or break six or seven game stretch for West Virginia. And I, I think they're a fascinating program to follow from afar. And I will, uh, I'll be watching closely to see what happens there and see if whether or not Brown is back in 2024, if they're onto a new coach and if they are onto a new coach, we'll know that it all started with that collapse in Houston. Let's move on and thank real quick, our friends. Real quick, Jake, question oh, for you: what What keeps Brown? What keeps Brown in uh, Morgantown? How many wins? Seven. Okay, I think like not disagreeing at all. To me, seven he's locked. Like you know what I'm saying? I man, I kind of even think six in a bowl game does but good call agree with you let me uh one second let me pull up their their schedule okay and we'll because it all does depend on on the quality of schedule so they've got oklahoma state at home at central florida byu at home that should be three wins in a row you go to oklahoma west virginia at home Baylor on the road. I might okay. say seven plus a bowl. And then whatever yeah. happens in the bowl game doesn't matter. I think you got to get to seven. If you drop, yeah. if they drop two games other than the OU game, I don't know. They, they'll be favored in, I think, five of, the, of their last six games. At least four. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Seven. Okay. Yep. But look, let's, uh, let's move on to thank our friends at Circus Sports Iowa before we bet the Big 12. Of course, they've always got the highest limits, the lowest holds, and the best odds. And there is no place that I would rather lose money on a Hail Mary than Circus Sports (laughs) Iowa. Of course, our friends treated us well. They treated us well in Chicago. So if you're listening here in Iowa, download the Circus Sports Iowa app. Maybe if you met us while we were in Illinois – and you're still residing in Illinois, you can also now download Circus Sports Illinois. It truly is the best place to place your wagers on sports responsibly. So I had a bit of a rough week. I uh, I went one and two. Or no, I went 0-2. Oh I only played two games. Yes. Um, I, I didn't have a feel on any of them, and I was right. I'm glad I only played two because you were just throwing darts at an empty dartboard right there. This Good week, week for Nikki Clicks. Yeah, you, you went two and one. You predict, Should have been three and all. You oh. predicted it. You said you'd be back at nine and nine. Yeah. So I, I'm going to start out with Baylor at Cincinnati. I'm taking the under at 50 and a half points. We just saw Cincinnati. Not a great offense. Emory Jones will throw two interceptions. They will lose a fumble. Baylor, outside of a miracle win at Central Florida, hasn't really done anything on offense against a real team. I expect a real ugly game. And uh I don't know. I just I don't see a world where Cincinnati's putting up thirty points against Baylor, even though Baylor's not great. I see my I see something like a twenty to thirteen type game. Now I know you're going with the uh, over under, but do you know what the spread is for this game? Do you have it handy? I do not have it handy, but okay. I could I could get it pretty quick. Yeah, as I'm looking ahead, I, I'm just curious. Whatever it was, I didn't like it because. <laughs> Yeah, Cincy yeah. by three and a half. Okay. Not, that's poison. Not my financial advice, don't Jeez. touch that game one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, I could see Baylor Baylor winning that outright. But, you know, kind of a natural transition from a lot of our earlier conversation, actually. You know, maybe the two coaches and teams we were hitting on the most outside of Campbell and the clones, and that is Oklahoma State at West Virginia. I am giving – Neil Brown and these Mountaineers another chance. I'm going to call some of that last one a fluke. West Virginia minus three at home. I think these are both like you mentioned earlier. Okay. Not high quality. These are both fairly high or fairly quality big 12 conference teams. I think this could actually be one of the best games of the weekend, man. 
I'm going to go with the Mountaineers. Uh, if you can get it at minus three, like I saw, I like that. I have seen it rising to three in the hook. Maybe it gets up to four, but that's where I'm thinking, Jake. I'm giving them another shot. I'd say it's a, it's a must win for West Virginia. At Oklahoma State, they've, they've turned the corner a little bit, picked up a couple good wins, but this is still a heavily flawed team. West Virginia coming off of a horrific loss. You got to win this game. And I, I'd agree that West Virginia would be the play. All you need is a field goal for a push. I'd take it. My next game. So I'm going a little bit outside the box with this one. So mm-hmm. Central Florida travels to Oklahoma in the Dylan Gabriel game. And I'm going to take whatever the first half spread is. And that is something that Circa typically doesn't release until the day before the game. So on Friday, I'm going to go, I'm going to go try and find the first half spread, which I'm going to guess is going to be in that nine and a half, 10 point range. Usually it's half of what the, of what the game spread is. I think OU is going to come out firing. Gabriel's going to be playing with a bit of a fire against his old team. I think OU could be up 20 to zero at halftime but i just i don't like the 19 and a half number for the game which is why i like the first half just because i could see a world where central florida backdoor covers and but i I don't see any way this game's competitive in the third quarter and and with central florida's defense I, i like that first half spread man it's interesting games like that can either go one of two ways you know like a 42 to six win for Oklahoma or like a 28-22 type. You know, like one team really just kind of outplays the spread when there's like a reunion or extra emotions. Yeah, I I like your play. I think it'd be fun. I might take a peek at it. Uh, Not one I'd probably put real money, but I I really do like you thinking there, my man. Um, You know, I'm – yeah, I wrote it in the notes – Nick is heavy on the favorites this week. I've got Texas minus 23 and a half at Houston. Look, they had heartbreaking loss in a top three game of the year uh, in the Red River, Red River rivalry game. They're coming off a of bye week. And the cool thing, if you're Texas or if you're a fan, you know what you're still capable of this season. And I'm not picking them. I'm not saying they're going to do this, but what they are still capable of, I was just talking with a, a friend in real life about this. They're still capable of getting to that college football playoff. And that's because more than likely they'll face the Sooners more than likely in the uh, conference championship. You would think maybe they avenge the loss. And then to me, they're in if they're sitting at 12 and one at that point. So it'll be interesting, but that's looking ahead a little bit. As you mentioned, I didn't even think about this addition to the spot. Houston, a spot to bet against them coming off very emotional, lucky win. So, geez, I might actually play that one. We'll see. Uh, but that that's one I like. And then I'll let you lead it. But we were thinking very similarly, my friend, for this last pick. Yeah, I've got K-State minus six and a half at home against TCU. We already talked about him. I'm all aboard the Avery Johnson hype train. Give me the Wildcats at home. All you need is a touchdown. TCU's been up and down all all season long. Just just kill BYU. I think K-State wins this game by double digits. Yeah, hard to add much more there. You know, it'll just be intriguing from a college football standpoint. Uh, what KSU really wants to do at quarterback, I think either way, they're the better team. It's at their place. Uh, TCU, like you just mentioned, a comfortable victory recently. So, man, that's a game I'm interested to see a little bit. And as we wrap up the show, we're going to touch on my favorite sport, a little bit of hoops. Yeah, and it's not going to be much Cyclone hoops. We'll we'll do that next week, though, since we're not going to have any any game to react to. We'll we'll talk some Big Twelve football some Iowa State basketball, and then, of course, preview the Baylor game. But this week, we're going to talk about what went down 
on Twitter yesterday. So Commissioner Yormark said yesterday that there have been talks of extending the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City to 2031. That'd go through the next eight seasons. And this Big 12 newcomer, Glass Half Ute on Twitter, Utah fan, said the following. Brett Yormark is in the process of making his first mistake as the Big 12 commissioner. I haven't been to Kansas City yet, but in no world is that a more appealing destination for a conference tournament that spans several days than Las Vegas. With the Pac-12 gone, Vegas is open. And let me... Let me start by giving love to our friends out at Circus Sports in Las Vegas. I've never been, believe it or not, never been to Vegas. I have no doubt that it would be, I have no doubt it would be a great place to spend a weekend. But I also have no doubt that there's no better place in the country to host a conference basketball tournament, a Big 12 basketball tournament, other than Kansas City. You know what? It's it's really hard for me to disagree with that at all. I mean, I think there's plenty of fun and entertainment potentially uh, out there. But as we're going to kind of mention and as I saw friends of the show like Cyclone Larry's account and others kind of hit on, you know, there are plenty of other weekends to go to a place like Vegas or when you're just looking for a type of entertainment. But if you're going for good high quality hoops with some entertainment as kind of the backdrop, like great people, friendliness, uh, really good food. I mean, I'll tell you this right now. I'm not even just saying it for the sake of discussion, Jake. I told, you know, my girlfriend, my family, I think I just made it down three, maybe four times, but like, I love Kansas city. Now that is a place. Oh, it's great. I I've said, you know, I want to go for other reasons now too. That's just how impressed I was by the actual, city and people themselves but for the big 12 tournament yeah i mean are iowa state fans biased towards it because it's hilton south absolutely but it's a good reason to be i just think it's a really awesome city that can actually be used uh, for more things and some great venues within it but for the big 12 tournament it's perfect like power and light that is just such a cool kind of backdrop and aspect uh to that week and you know, it's this is what I'll say uh, for our friends here. It's something I will likely miss this season, but it's one that I will have to get back to eventually because it is a lot of fun, Jake. It's also something that matters to Kansas City. Not that it wouldn't matter to Vegas, but, I mean, Formula One is going to Vegas, spending $500 million on that project. They've got... That number's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. And I'm sure (laughs) that CW would be able to talk more about that. Vegas has a lot bigger, a lot flashier, a lot more stuff going on than Kansas City does. The Kansas City, the local bars, restaurants, the the city loves having a Big 12 tournament because Iowa State, KU, K-State fans are just sickos and – they're there every year, hot or cold, good or bad. They're there showing out. And I do want to give credit to Glass Half Ute. <laughs> he did research everything great about Kansas City and said it's now on his bucket list. And he wants to go try some Kansas City barbecue. He wants to see if the atmosphere is actually as good as it is. But I think that's why I love Kansas City so much, because it is the same every year. Q39, I think, was my favorite barbecue I've had. Oh, yeah, that's so good. The chain. uh, I'm trying to remember the place, but I go to just the – it's a one-off. It's – you got to drive probably 10 minutes south of Power and Light. Uh, Man, I I should – I want to say it's something Joe's. I could be totally – Jack's or – yeah, I, I don't know. I, okay. I'll i have to shoot you a text tonight when I think. Maybe Jack it. Stack or something. I had both. Um, I've never had bad barbecue down there, but. No, never had believe it or bad not, barbecue, period. Believe it or not, <laughs> we are we're getting close to basketball season. And, and that means that a trip to Kansas City is right around the corner. But I believe that's all we've got for you this week. Nick, you got anything you'd like to add that 
we might have missed. Oh, I've got an idea. Okay. We're talking Kansas City. Big news in Kansas City lately. Of course, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. Brett Yormark, or I always say Brett. I know it's Brett Yormark. Uh, good friend of Jay-Z. Pretty big star. Probably some connections to Taylor Swift. What if Taylor Swift was the headliner for the Big 12 tournament? I just... I was doing this just to see if Aiden Wyatt was was awake or if he was if he was asleep on the mic. He's asleep at the wheel. <laughs> what do you think? Taylor Swift goes to any Big Twelve event. I will be there, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Okay, there you Jake. have it. I don't care where. Well, I don't care where well, it is. I don't care what it is. What would be What would be the ideal uh, Swift concert event at a Big Twelve basketball tournament? Would she like be the one like? MCing like here's the Iowa State Cyclone Football Varsity Marching Band or I think you does she deserve to be a headliner? Like Shaq is going to be. Does she deserve to be a headliner? Absolutely. Does she deserve to be a headliner? Are you kidding me? <laughs> she can deserve to be, but Jake, we're kind of pushing back on why we just said that this tournament and KC are so perfect because we don't need kind of some of that extra. We can focus on the hoops. However, Aiden, it would be kind of funny to have her as like the PA announcer that Jake <laughs> just alluded to. But concert venue, that type of thing. Could she? Absolutely. But I say we keep it on the hoops and barbecue. That's just me. I'm well, with you. I'm with well, you. She's hoops also, and barbecue is the way to go in KC. She's also dating Big 12 legend Travis Kelsey. So it's, <laughs> it's all just a li- 12 legend. It's all aligning in the stars. Well, That's going to do it for us this week here on Firmly Entrenched. As always, thank you for listening, whether you're tuning in live on YouTube, listening in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're presented by Heartland Flags. Thank you to them. Thanks, Circus Sports. Thank you, Channel Seeds. And now, thank you, Steeple Ridge. We'll be back same time next week. Iowa everywhere.